Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna. And my name is Ellen. And in today's episode, we are discussing Book 5, Chapter 2, The Passing of the Grey Company, discussing resilience in community. So, Anna, when this episode comes out, we're going to be in the week of Thanksgiving. And my question to you is, which Lord of the Rings character would you most like to invite to your Thanksgiving luncheon? Well, I feel like Mary stands out mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. as like a fun guest who uh, would appreciate the food spread available to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't quite have that pippin air about him where you're not quite sure what's going to happen and so because you said lunch and i feel like mary is the appropriate like fun but also responsible vibe yeah he's a little bit less rambunctious i would agree to that all right my i think that'll be fun let's let's get him around for for lunch this thanksgiving yes for noon noon nunchen nunchen (laughs) (laughs) yes for nunchen right and you i would invite gimli Mm-hmm. I think he would fit in best with our family. Mm. Little mm-hmm. little grouchy, little gruff, very loving. Mm-hmm. And I think he would he would just be a wonderful wonderful guest. He could talk to us about rocks mm. and smithying. Famously, we love rocks. We are a rocks family. We are an earthbound family. <laughs> yeah, very solidly on the ground. And he could talk mm-hmm. to us about his caves mm-hmm. and his gold craft probably probably <laughs> uh yeah so i would i would pick gimli he'd be fun he'd be a fun guy to have over for for a meal a big turkey roast agreed but also he i think he doesn't probably eat as much as a hobbit and i would like there to be some leftovers so totally i want those garlic mashed potatoes later for myself oh my god i'm so hungry <laughs> This was a terrible idea to start talking about Thanksgiving spread an hour before my lunchtime. Yeah, I cannot make guarantees about whether whether or not you will hear my stomach growl, so fair enough. Buckle up for that. Well, let's go ahead and buckle up then into story time, where you have brought us a story on today's theme of resilience in community. Take us take us away. Sure have. Okay, so typically I don't talk about work um, in part because I'm at work often and I don't feel like it's a particularly exciting topic, but I felt like there was a, an applicable story for our theme today. In a previous position that I held, I was working in an environment that I feel like we could really identify as being pretty resource skint. <laughs> And there was a bit of a mismatch in workload and people. And there was also a lack of role clarity. So basically three things that you just don't want to be present in your work environment. They make things particularly challenging. So when I came to this position, my um, goal, as always, was to you know work really hard. I really wanted to put on a good effort, learn new things through this position, And so continually took on new projects and had some good background um, experience that I could contribute. And it really got to be quite a bit uh, that was on my plate. And I struggled to 
maintain working at a level that felt professional, that I felt that I could stand by the work product without feeling like I was sacrificing things in my personal life, things in my personal well-being, relationships, um, particularly my partner. Um, felt like I was just, I was really privileging the work over just about anything else. But as I would ask for resources, as I would continue on this trajectory and had kind of maxed out my growth in this particular team and organization, the word resilience was really tossed around quite a bit for expectations around workers in that environment. So that there was kind of this implicit and sometimes explicit expectation around like resilience, meaning just kind of soldier through this experience. Everybody's in it together. And someone who is, you know, well adjusted with good resources can exist in this space for a really long time. And like I said, I was starting to feel pretty unhappy um, I really didn't have a lot of positives to to share about the work environment. And in particular, I was really concerned about my relationship with my partner because I really didn't feel like I was I was carrying the weight that I wanted to in that relationship. And finally, it was kind of pointed out to me by a couple of colleagues who I had become friends with, who I trusted their opinion on both work matters and life matters, um, and that with whom I remain close today that they had really noticed this shift in my personality and that they had encouraged me to leave and started to talk to me about looking at possibly therapy to work through some of the stress and anxiety that I really felt was induced by this environment or compounded by this environment and really kind of helped me uh, struggle through that decision uh, and serve as sounding boards to talk through that ultimately, because I'm saying it is a previous position, I was able to leave. And what I wanted to talk about today in particular is that I think often resilience is conflated, maybe particularly in workplaces, but certainly in a lot of spaces, with this just like toxic, almost like gaslighting about just like sticking through things that are problematic, right? Like when you have a mismatch of workload and employees, when you have a lack of role clarity, when you have a lack of growth opportunities, right? If those things are valuable to you, then you can be resilient, but that space is not a space you need to stay in to continue to be resilient. You know what I mean? Like to just continue to contribute to that or to stay and kind of steep in that environment. And so my learning from this experience was that really Every experience like challenges you and can change you, right? Your ideas, your personality, and that's the benefit of having new experience, of trying new things, of, of experiencing challenge. And that's valuable and that's good. And resilience is something that allows you to take those moments in stride, right? Like not without a few stumbles, but you can kind of come back to your values as a person. I think it's when you begin to change your values, your personality, who you want to be in the world, that that becomes really a tough space, right? And that may no longer be resilience, but something else entirely. And so thankfully, because I had this strong community around me of people who were willing to be candid with me and knew a bit about who I was and my values, they were able to help me see what was going on, 
really be aware of what I was maybe sacrificing to be in this space, was that worthwhile? And ultimately to help me make a decision that was a, a healthier decision for me and for my my immediate relationships that I was really quite concerned about. Yeah, I like that idea of when you talk about resiliency means weathering things and coming back to to your your values. I picture like a lighthouse or a tree, you know, something kind of strong and sturdy weathering a storm and, you know, maybe having a few scratches at the end, but still still being okay Mm -hmm. and not fundamentally shifting what that what they are what it is and its purpose so that that was the the visual that I was struck with when you were talking about your story there and how your community was was a real asset absolutely trying to bend but not break Mm -hmm. in these moments and having someone go "Mm, I feel like you're closer to breaking than you are to bending yeah and that and that's okay and like let's recognize that that's where you're at right and and to to qualify that as resilience, I think, becomes a bit mm-hmm. problematic. Yeah, are we looking for for growth potentially at the other end of this, or are we gonna just sit down and cry? I don't know. Right, and there were there were a fair amount of tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe that. So that that really kind of got me thinking about resilience, but I think for us to have a, a good conversation about the themes. Um, emergence in today's chapter, we have to know what actually happened in today's chapter. So Ellen, will you run us through the events? Yes, this was such a joyful chapter for me. I'm really glad that we're here talking about it. Everyone's back together. So excited. So it is one of my favorite chapters, if I'm honest. Yeah, it was really, really good. So we begin with Gandalf leaving Aragorn and the company. So we've, we've jumped back in time again, and now we're sort of following everybody's storyline leading up to the same point in time in Gondor, which is wonderful storytelling. Really enjoy it. So Gandalf rides away with Pippin and Aragorn, Theoden, Gimli, Legolas, etc. They begin riding towards Helm's Deep. However, as they're moving away from the, the Nazgul shadow and running towards Helm's Deep, riders come upon them. Who is it? We don't know. Is it friend? Is it foe? It's friend, friend coming unasked for, but very much appreciated. This is the uh, the kinsmen of Aragorn, the Grey Riders, as our chapter suggests, coming to lend support to Aragorn with two of Elrond's kids as well. So they make it to Helm's Deep, and Merry is feeling really out of place and sort of like extra baggage. I feel like this is a great mirror of how Pippin is feeling in our prior chapter when he makes it to uh, Gondor. And Merry pledges himself to Theoden and becomes a esquire of Rohan after Theoden gives him a pony. So I liked that very, very gentle, kind exchange between those two. So they're at Helm's Deep. Aragorn is taking counsel with his kinsmen, and he decides to break away from Theoden and follow something called the Paths of the Dead with his company instead of going to the muster of Rohan that's going to happen in three days. He's like, there's no time to go to this muster. We absolutely have to run through the Paths of the Dead. And his kinsmen, 
Legolas, Gimli all agree to go with him. Nobody is more upset about this choice than Eowyn. A lot of people are unhappy that Aragorn is leaving, but Eowyn really takes the cake in. I cannot believe you're making this choice. And we, we learn about this when Aragorn and his company have their break at Metaseld. So they're riding away from Helm's Deep. They make it to Metaseld and they're like, actually, no, Eowyn, we are not going to the muster. We're continuing right on by and going to the Pass of the Dead. And she tries to go with him. She's like, fine, if I can't get you to not go, I'm going to come with you. And Aragorn says, no, you're not. And that's the end of that exchange. So Aragorn and his company make it to the Paths of the Dead. It is very spooky. Everyone is scared to go underground. The horses don't like it. Gimli doesn't like it. But we find these oath breakers, uh, the, the king of the dead and his people, and they agree to follow Aragorn into battle. And the chapter ends with them running away towards Gondor. The end. Such a good chapter. Such a good chapter. So I, I really like Eowyn, and I admire a lot of her core strength. But I was very irritated with her in this chapter. I felt mm-hmm. like Aragorn made a lot of good points of like, no, I, you can't, you can't leave your people. Like you are doing, you're not just like sitting at home knitting. Mm-hmm. You're doing a lot of important work right now in leading this entire community of people that is leaderless. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, it's hard. You don't always get to do what you want. And this is something that has. This is, this is a more important duty, and you are more valuable here than, like, just going out and being a soldier. Mm-hmm. What, what did you make of this? Especially, like, knowing how things do turn out. What were, your, what were your thoughts here? I was a little confused because in this chapter, Eowyn, to me, feels very young. Mm-hmm. Petulant. Petulant, I think, is a great word to describe her, like incessant need to prove herself by way of soldiering war participation Mm -hmm. with a diminishment of what it means to be a a leader in other ways and i'm not quite sure why why that was a choice for this chapter because it it did feel very annoying it felt very ungrounded Mm -hmm. like when she previously interacts with the group and we just get a little skosh of her character she felt really you know really purposeful and she believes in her community and she's willing to kind of go this extra distance for leadership and like she understands that a bit more so this felt a bit like a character reversal where i'm like why is this so important to you now and Mm -hmm. in this way it's it feels random maybe is not quite the right word but it did feel out of character for her Mm -hmm. i wonder if um they're trying to make a point of how in love she is with aragorn i think that's possibly it and i understand in that way though it also feels she feels very young Mm -hmm. right like that feels like a very no offense teenagers i must follow my crush Yeah, but, like, it feels like a very teenage way of making a decision. Like, I wouldn't typically do this, but this very cute person Mm -hmm. (laughs) is going this way, and so I want to do this, too. And I'm not quite sure what to make of that, because 
it seems like leadership in Rohan and sort of the the family tradition and lineage of leadership in Rohan is something that is really auspicious and something that I would guess she would really yearn to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And so now that she's like very formally fixed in this leadership role, it feels weird to me for her to be like, nah, (laughs) this isn't what I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. I just want to wield a sword. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if she was like 19 or 20, maybe. Mm -hmm. There's probably like an accepted age that she is. I don't know if if Tolkien wrote that. But I wouldn't be shocked if she was that age. Right. You know, it seems like everyone's getting married really, really young and in fantasy novels. So could be. Right. Could be that she is. She's like, yeah, this is my first crush. Right. Well, and I mean, she lives in a pretty um, closed community, mm-hmm. right? Because that's kind of how Middle Earth is right now. There's not a lot of inter-community mingling. And so I could also see, you know, jumping at this opportunity for something that's new and different, especially if she's particularly young and her brain is still hardwiring. Mm-hmm. But it felt just such like an absolute rejection of her responsibility for her community, who she purports to care so much about that you're like, girlfriend, yeah, <laughs> someone needs to check you a little bit. And Aragorn ultimately does. Yeah, he does it kindly. I think I he is a little, mm-hmm. I feel like, also kind of annoying in this. I was just like, God, both of you. Cool yes, it. Yes, he's very paternal. Um, paternalist. Yes. yes. <laughs> But he is, I mean, he's also 86, yeah, right? So I feel like he's like, look, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't come with me. Right. This is what it means to be in charge of things. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but I want to come. Yes, I want to I wanna fight. But daddy, I love him. <laughs> like, sh- you're 16. Yes. Please stop. She's going to go to the Sea Witch and give away her, her voice. Sing into a shell. Mm-hmm. That's right. I do feel that her uncle and her brother very much value valor in battle. So she's also probably Mm -hmm. reflecting back a lot of family values that are important of like, Mm -hmm. yeah, actually the most important thing is to go out and lead everybody in battle. And the second most important job is to take care of everyone who can't fight. And that's, that's you. So yeah, this is, this is second, second fiddle. I think there's something to be said, too, about when you are proximate to a sort of, when you're proximate to power, right, there can be this want or this need to reproduce, like, structures of power in that way, right? So, like, if I am stepping in as the very first woman to be in a leadership role, I have to do leadership in the way that, like, the men who all came before me do leadership because that's the accepted rule and it's already kind of enough that I'm in this leadership role that I'm breaking a little bit of the tradition. I don't know that that's true in Rohan, but it's definitely true in a lot of other spaces Mm -hmm. in our very real world. So I think that can be a real challenge then to go, how do I orient myself in a way where I'm still true to who I am? I'm still true to my values. I'm still true to my perspective and lens to the, the work that needs to happen while also, you know, formally acting as a leader and how do we conceive of that leadership role i think that's where resilience really comes into play is making sure you have those people around you to go wow i really feel like you're sacrificing a lot of who you are to be in this space we need to we need to recalibrate and also not to give away too much but aon's a little bit right in that her Uh 
Her skill set is better suited to being out and slashing things than mm-hmm. diplomatically running running the country. So, right. I don't know. Well, well figured, Aowen. Even if you don't communicate that well in this chapter, <laughs> right. Okay, well, I just wanted to chat about that because I was surprised at how irritated I was with the dialogue between two characters I love dearly, Aowen and Aragorn. It also went on for a very long time. (laughs) And then she, like, goes to bed, and I was like, okay, cool, we've solved that. And then the morning, she's like, and I feel more passionately about it. I am dressed for (laughs) travel. (laughs) Right. (sighs) Well, do you want to then lead us through some of, speaking of her not being resilient, or maybe, I don't know, maybe you could say that's resilient. Maybe being yeah. resilient. It's hard to it's know. It's hard to know. Um, how about you walk us through some of the examples from the chapter? Perfect. Okay, first example is my page 53, and I think we decided that the difference was like 17 some pages, oh but I can't remember yeah. in which direction. Never, we're never going to know. We're never going to know. So the first page of the chapter where Aragorn says, quote, So four of the company still remain, said Aragorn. We will ride on together, but we shall not go alone, as I thought. I just really thought that in that example, Aragorn is sort of speaking to the resilience of these four, their ability to stay together, and that he really seems to be drawing um, strength and some additional resilience from the fact that they are still together. Yeah. I love that. That's I'm glad, and also I love that we get an example right on the first page because we want to, we want to start strong, right? Exactly. All right, and then on page uh, sixty one again, my page sixty one, where Mary leaves, and Aragorn is kind of speaking with folks around him about Mary leaving. So Aragorn turns to someone next to him, Halbarad, and says, There go three that I love, and the smallest, not the least, he said. He knows not to what end he rides, yet if he knew, he still would go on. Mm-hmm. And I like this assessment of Aragorn, who's very um, kingly and worldly and, by all intents and purposes, very, very powerful, right, in who he is and, and who he's going to become. And his assessment of Mary is just done so lovingly and so keenly. Mm-hmm. I liked that he chose the time to say this to someone else to be like, Mary is stout of heart. Yeah, <laughs> and he would go on. And I don't know that I don't know that Mary would even say that about himself. Right. I feel like this is Aragorn seeing deeply into Mary's character, where at. At this point in the in the story, I think Mary would be like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I would keep going on. <laughs> right. And I think Mary, if you asked him about his love for Frodo and about his love for Sam and Pippin, right, all of a sudden it would become a much clearer, like, he wouldn't choose an outright good versus evil fight, mm-hmm. but he would choose the love of his friends every single time. And I feel like that's what Aragorn's seeing. I feel like that's what Mary would agree to. And he wouldn't characterize that as what's going to carry him through. But ultimately, that is what makes him so so resilient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. The hobbits are a very resilient people. They are indeed. <laughs> 
I also just like that Mary misses the unquenchable cheerfulness of Pippin. Yeah, it is unquenchable, isn't it? That's such a good phrase. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then on page 65, we have Aragorn discussing the need to go meet with the dead and hold them to fulfill their oath. He's talking, he's giving us a little bit of backstory. So on page, my page 65, he says, quote, but that way I must go since there are none living to help me. A little bit later, he says to the stone of Eric, I seek the paths of the dead. Come with me who will. And then a little bit later on the green, there waited still and silent the hooded rangers. So there's both Aragorn feeling like, this is part of the gig. I really need to do this. This is our way to victory. And that really seems to be enough for the rest of the crew are willing to be sort of faced with this very tough decision, but they believe in Aragorn so much. And Aragorn sort of like reluctantly, maybe not so reluctantly, but certainly choosing this with a heavy heart, Mm -hmm. choosing a tough path. And the crew is like, yep, okay, here we are. We're doing this. Um, because we have trust in Aragorn, we believe that you will steer us in the right direction. And so we're going to do this really tough thing, but you as our leader are going to carry us through this. Yeah, they are not excited. <laughs> no, no one is. <laughs> they are not excited about this. But except for the Dunedain and Legolas mm-hmm. and Gimli. So, it, I mean, they, they, they are resilient only when Aragorn is. <laughs> well, and that's that's exactly right. So then my next couple of examples here are in entering the cave as we get to the actual like, okay, there's a dark door. We've got to go through it underground to meet some ghost warriors who definitely have like have a bit of a reputation. So Legolas is like chill about it because he's Legolas, right? Mm-hmm. And he's he has really no concerns or qualms. But Aragorn leads the way, as you said, and such was the strength of his will in that hour that all the Dunedain and their horses followed him, except for Legolas's mm-hmm. horse, who he has to like basically cover the sweet baby's eyes <laughs> to get him underground. Like, shh, 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 don't look. If you just if you don't know how dark it is, it won't be bad. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> And then, of course, we're left with sweet, sweet Gimli standing outside this dark door, feeling a bit as though he's lost himself because an elf is going underground. And he, son of Gloin, Gimli, a dwarf who lives and loves caves, cannot and will not. So he kind of like pumps himself up and says, an elf will go underground and a dwarf dare not. With that, he plunged in. But it seemed to him that he dragged his feet like lead over the threshold. And so I think this is, again, a value and a self-image that Gimli really holds of himself that he kind of puts in front of him to go, this is helping me to be a bit resilient in this moment because this is who I am and this is the decision I need to make, even though he (laughs) almost immediately regrets it. He does regret it. And at one point it says he's like so scared that he's crawling through this cave. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm proud of him that he he keeps going at all. Right. And then I mean just a great a great moment as he calls like the 
warriors forward and Aragorn seems to be almost otherworldly in his knowledge of, of what he needs to do and how he needs to do it. So ultimately, they go to the Stone of Eric with great haste. And as you said, uh, really, none could, no other mortal men could have endured it. None but the Dunedain of the North and with them, Gimli the Dwarf and Legolas of the Elves. Just really, like, this is a resilient group, but almost exclusively because Aragorn is their leader and that his will really seems to hold the group together and gives them the strength to carry on. Mm-hmm. And that was my last example from the chapter. Those are great examples. I feel like there were the moments of resilience were really woven through not only this chapter but really throughout the whole book you Mm -hmm. can look and see a lot of examples of people choosing to move forward Mm -hmm. in line with their values after like setback after setback Mm -hmm. i think that becomes a very clarifying way to make decisions is to go okay this is the hard thing but if i value that then i will and if that is important to me then I can choose this, and it's not, it's not that it won't be hard, but it will be in alignment with who I am or who I want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. This isn't the first time you've talked about making decisions based on your values, and I, I always appreciate that reminder. like to transition to our talking with Tolkien segment always <laughs> amazing it's it's my favorite part as well it's so fun it's so fun I have two quotes that I would like to share please do the first one is on my page 37 and this is a quote from Legolas it's when Gimli is talking to Legolas and Mary about how the Battle of Helm's Deep went and oh my gosh I forgot we're at Helm's Deep let's go look at the caves mm-hmm. and Legolas says nope there's no time quote do not spoil the wonder with haste I like that quote because I feel like it's just a reminder to slow down and when you're going to enjoy something wonderful you really want to sit and soak it in and not feel like you have to run through everything. Do not spoil the wonder with haste. Mm -hmm. And then my second talking with Tolkien is on page 47. And although I was annoyed by Eowyn, we would be remiss Mm -hmm. not to call out this quote when Aragorn asks her, and what do you fear, lady? And she replies, quote, a cage. To stay behind bars until use and old age accept them, and all chance of doing great deeds is gone beyond recall or desire. Mm-hmm. And I like the quote, beyond recall or desire. I think that that is frightening of thinking like, oh, I might get to a point in my life where I just don't want to do these big, scary, exciting, adventurous things. Like, it's not even like... 
I can't. It's just, I don't, know, I don't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoyed her calling that out. Thank you, A1. I apologize for making fun of you a little bit at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> she is a boss and she knows what she wants. Mm-hmm. And she wants to go slash things. Right. Well, those are my two. What quotes did you bring to, to share? Well, the the one that I really enjoy is the, the cage quote, so I'm glad that you brought that out. Mm-hmm. But I thought just kind of laughably the names of the horses really tickled me in this chapter. <laughs> so we have like Roheron, Snowmane, mm-hmm. Arad, and then we have Stibba. <laughs> The pony, um, or Stiba, maybe. Mm-hmm. And the first time I read it, I read it as Stubby the pony. Stubby! Ah! So between <laughs> who I am now calling Stubby and Bill the pony, I feel like mm-hmm. ponies just, they have less elegant names. And I don't know why that is, but it's... Because they're short. It's hilarious short, every single time. Stubby ponies. Yeah, I love that. Snowmane and Stubby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I am glad that they got a little pony pony for Mary, though. It would, I think, be a little annoying to always have to ride on someone else's horse. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to have your own space to spread out in the saddle. Exactly Riding right. Riding around on st- Stubby Stibba. <laughs> stubby Stibba, who is proportionate, mm-hmm. perhaps, to its, to his rider. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's right-sized. So that was my quote. Love it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, for calling us to such such wonderful equine names. As always, you're welcome. As a former horse girl, happy to do it. Yes. Oh, gosh. We don't need to go down there. We really don't. That's all <laughs> we need horses. to say about that. <laughs> well, then let's go ahead and go to the action item for, for today. Can't believe we're there already. I know. But Anna, what action item do you have for us today around the theme of resilience? Well, I feel like today's action item is kind of a combo of some of the action items that we've talked about previously. It's one. So we're talking about resilience. I think understanding your values, as we've discussed, is really, really important for staying resilient in moments where those values may be challenged or where you yourself are being challenged. So I think take that list of values that you previously wrote and then also cultivate an accountability partner in the space where you exist, really, so that when there are times of challenge, when there are times of hardship, you're able to have someone kind of reflect with you on where you are being resilient and where, you know, you may be being pushed beyond that stretch zone and you're in kind of a panic I cannot sustain parts of who I am zone Mm -hmm. and to really be reflective in moments of hardship and go what am I doing here why am I doing it and is this important to me enough does this align with my values is it worthwhile for me to stick in this moment and that can be a real privilege to have like space and time to ask yourself those questions we don't always get that but I think where you have that moment Try to try to check in, check in with that list, check in with your accountability partner and go, is this resilience or is this something else entirely? I love that. Anytime we get to involve other people in 
in growing into more of who you want to be, mm-hmm. I think you're going to be more successful because that accountability partner is is key. When there's someone there looking at you, it's a little bit easier to to find and make the the better choice. Right. Because sometimes we don't know it ourselves and having someone who cares about us and who knows what's important to us can be a good first reminder that we may need to to operate a bit differently. We may need to come up with something different to continue to exist in this space. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for this wonderful discussion and for such a thoughtful action item that I think will be one of those lifelong practices that you have to always keep keep pushing towards. Today's podcast was brought to you by The Stone of Eric, best for holding cave-dwelling ghosts to their promises. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. our way to victory and that really seems to be enough for the rest of the crew Limley Limley Legolas Gimli and the Rangers is that their couple name Limley <laughs> might be mm-hmm. good I like that so Limley and the Rangers <laughs> also their new band name um mm-hmm. for their 50s doo-wop group that's right